everyone. I am your host, Juana Yordekescu, and you're listening to the We Include podcast, where we're all about the latest and greatest solutions in diversity and inclusion space. As someone who believes that businesses for good are just plain good business, I couldn't be more excited to share this episode with you. Today, we're sitting down with Ileana Montauk founder of Manara, a truly groundbreaking organization on a mission to unlock the human potential of the Middle East and North Africa. With a focus on diversifying the global tech sector and uplifting economies in Palestine and beyond, Manara is leading the charge towards a brighter, more inclusive future. And the numbers speak for themselves. Did you know that 52% of the CS grads in Palestine are women, but a staggering 83% of those female grads are unemployed? It's time for change and Manara is making it happen. So buckle up and get ready to dive deep into Manara's journey so far and learn how together we can create real impact. Trust me, this is an episode you do not want to miss. Hello, Eliana. Welcome to We Include. How are you? Thank you, Oana. Oh my God. It's been so long since I've seen you. I think it was summer somewhere in Berlin but it seems so much more. I know, right? It's been such a crazy year. But yeah, it was like May or June when we last saw each other and it's already November. Do you still remember your very German dish? (laughs) Yeah, it was like the sausage. (laughs) I don't remember what it's called, but I was like a restaurant that practically only had sausages on the menu, right? Or um, yeah, uh, I do remember. Ileana, it's a pleasure having you here. Um, We've been in touch for about two years now, I think, when, when our four um, uh, local tech leader in Berlin for Wayfair introduced us. Um, I was very excited to meet you there. I'm always excited to talk to you and even more excited to, to hear about what Manara is up to. Um, so I, I want to hear the story of Manara first. Um, I know there's a lot going on, but I think for those who don't know what Manara is doing, what's the area uh, of focus, why have you been doing this? I think we, 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 we need to paint that picture. And then I have some very interesting, um, I think, um, deeper dives for you. Absolutely. Yeah. So my story is that I was working in tech in Silicon Valley, and basically I was just frustrated seeing how not diverse my engineering team was. Mm -hmm. So I was a product manager. I was working for Upwork. Upwork is one of the largest talent marketplaces in the world, and we had the benefit of being able to hire from anywhere in the world. Uh, You know, we were remote before COVID even happened, and our company overall was very diverse. Uh, but not on the engineering team. So mm-hmm. out of around, you know, just a couple hundred engineers around the world, literally only two engineers that I ever saw were women and mm-hmm. only around four were from the Middle East and North Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was something that I really wanted to change. I had spent a lot of time in the Middle East. And I can tell you more about that if it's relevant, but basically I knew that this was a region where in a lot of countries, women are studying computer science at the same rates as men, and there's a really big pool of talent. And so I wanted to find a way to get those women into my company. uh, And that's where the journey started. You didn't really choose an easy route for that, right? Like there are so many projects out there. There's so many initiatives, so many very good businesses that are working with organizations, with governments also to uh, shift the balance where it matters, right? And tech is definitely an area that matters considering it literally changing 
changes our life on a daily basis. Um, but you went specifically for the Middle East. Um, why? Yeah, not only the Middle East, but Gaza specifically. So, uh-huh. <laughs> which is like one of the toughest parts of the Middle East, right? There's a war there almost <laughs> every five years. Um, and it's for those people who don't know, it's a tiny little place, probably about the size of Berlin and its surroundings. And it's uh, like an open air prison at times. It's really hard to get in and hard Mm -hmm. to get out. Um, But I had ended up there almost by accident on a contract uh, for a project that was funded by Google, actually, Mm -hmm. uh, to grow the tech sector. And when I was there, I just felt like this weird contrast where on the one hand, the streets were not paved, there were donkeys and carts, and literally we were preparing for a war. And at the same time, in this building where we were running a very um, little tech hub, the vibe yeah. that I got felt like Silicon Valley, like the amount wow. of energy, the amount of commitment. People literally were telling me, don't pay attention to the booms outside where, <laughs> you know, there were sonic booms. We were worried about a war breaking on. They're like, don't worry, we're used to that. We just want to launch our businesses. We want to launch our careers. We want to contribute to the world. We don't want handouts. We want to be contributing to the global tech sector. And when I was there, that was the first thing that impressed me. Then the second thing was just these women that... Um, when I told them, hey, you know, in the US and Europe, sometimes there's this stigma around yes. women in science and tech that men are better. And they were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> we know, we know that women are better. And I was like, oh, do, oh, oh, okay. If we know that the women are, you know, at least equally good in science yeah. and tech, if not better, then why are we not seeing those women in the workplace Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at the same rates. And it turns out that it's the only region in the world where girls outperform boys in high school math. And so they're going and studying physics and electrical engineering and computer science at such high rates. And the gap is just from that getting them into the workforce versus like in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the U.S. we're still working on getting girls interested in STEM fields at the middle school level. So there's just a much longer investment that has to be made before you can see that really impacting the workplace. Here you have women already graduating with computer science degrees. uh, And so I just realized, wow, this is a really big opportunity because this talent pool is here and the global tech sector needs it. And somehow they're not finding each other. And so we should be able to make that happen. When was this? When did you take this trip? Oh, I lived in Gaza actually for two years uh-huh. uh, from 2013 through 2015. And for those of you who don't know, there was a really big war in 2014, right. similar to the one that happened in yeah. 2021 in May. Yeah. So um, a big part of the, um, I mean, it was a little bit like Mariupol or places like that, mm-hmm. like entire mm-hmm. cities, entire right. parts of the country got just wiped out. Yeah. Um, And still, even during that time, people were literally online working on their startups, working on their freelance businesses, et cetera, remote work. Some of them didn't even take a break at all during that war. (laughs) It's like, that's how hungry they were to be a part of this global tech sector. So this experience marked you. This is clear, right? Um, But you didn't necessarily just put it in a drawer and said, okay, that was a stage of my life. Um, Very interesting. I've learned a lot. There was an exchange. Next. You kind of took this energy and fast forward, we have Manara. Let's, Let's dig into that. How was that born, the idea? How did you get this funded? Um, and then we're actually going to talk about what Manara does because we still didn't get there. 
but yes sure let me tell you a little bit about that actually i think talking about my co-founder uh, yes. really sheds light on what we do and why we do it and she's a critical part of the answer to your question because mm-hmm. i think if i had done this alone i would have given up there it's just so so much work so many challenges along the way and so my advice to anyone out there who is really passionate about diversity in tech and has an idea and wants to launch it is find other people to help you along the way. We even at one point brought together a group of advisors who we would meet with on a quarterly basis just to stay energized and of course to get their strategic advice, right? But um, it's so much work. It really, you think it's going to be this little side project and it's just, it's a challenge after a challenge. And of course, a lot of joy and opportunity along the way. But my co-founder Layla is a really critical part of the story. She and I had met in Gaza when she was actually participating in the startup incubator that I was running there. So she was one Mm -hmm. of the startup founders. She arrived through a program that we ran specifically to get more women founders uh, into the ecosystem. And later she uh, wanted to become a world-class software engineer. She realized the only way to do that was to go to a place with world-class software engineers. She made it to Silicon Valley uh, through a pretty unusual path. And then she was trying to get a job and she couldn't even make it past the resume screen. Every time mm-hmm. she applied to company, you know, they would see her university, Al Azhar University in Gaza. Nobody yes. knows what that is, right? And so yeah. uh, she couldn't make it past that. Eventually she started realizing that you needed referral networks. She would literally run up to random people at conferences and be like, oh, you work at Google. Could you refer me, please? Because <laughs> she had no network of her own. Yes. And then when she eventually made it to the interviews, she like was like a deer in the headlights. She had no idea what was happening. She had Mm -hmm. never been in any experience like that versus me. You know, I growing up, my parents would do mock interviews with me before a real interview. My brother would do them. My alumni network would do them. Right. She had no resource like that. And so she would actually go to an interview Uh, not even understand the question, but she would write it down. She would go home and then study what was that and then go back to the next interview as Uh a way to learn. Uh Eventually, when she got a job, by the way, she got promoted faster than anybody else. So clearly she had the skills. It was just all the challenges along the way. So anyways, a key part of this story is that when I was in the United States and wanting to diversify my team, I was also thinking back to all that talent pool in Gaza and thinking, how do we help these people become world-class engineers? And I asked Layla and she was like, mm-hmm. they need to work at incredible companies and that, you know, without those kinds of opportunities, you're never going to achieve the level. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Like you have the raw potential, you have maybe higher potential yeah. than a lot of people in the US and Europe, but if you don't have the opportunity then you're going to stagnate. It's almost like a brain drain that happens when people aren't given enough opportunity. And so she said, uh, to address that, we have to address all the same challenges that I faced along the way. And so she was like, listen, first, we just need to inspire them because most people are never even going to have the idea that she Right, had. yes, yes. When, when we launched, yeah. yeah, we didn't even realize this, but for the first year we ran Monada, a lot of people thought we were a scam. And later, once we had a lot of successes and they started seeing us, we were in Al Jazeera, et cetera, they mm-hmm. realized, oh, this is real. And they came back and they applied to Monada and they told us that they first heard about it a year earlier, but they thought it was a scam because it sounded too good to be true. So the first is just inspiring (laughs) them. And then we, you know, help them write their resume and we train them 
not only on the interviewing skills, because it is a skill set, it is a thing you have to learn, but also on other skills that are going to be important when they join the global tech sector, things like asynchronous communication, Mm -hmm. receiving and giving feedback, you know, like every time we run a cohort of training, we, and then we go and help them find jobs. And then we hear back from our alumni, we keep learning what are those little nuances, those soft skills or technical skills that we take for granted in the West, but that they don't learn locally. And so we keep customizing the training Mm -hmm. and then, and then we build out partnerships with companies to make sure that they don't get lost in that same black hole of resume screens uh, that Layla got lost in. Um, So so that's a little bit of what we do. And Layla was very much a key part along the way. And thankfully, she's been an incredible co-founder ever since. I'm 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 sorry we didn't get Layla here, first of all. I think that would have been great. But we we will definitely get to meet her in a a, probably a a retro on on Manara in the next year or or so. Um, But I, I, I think it's very important to realize what you said around this path taken alone is a painful and probably something that people would abandon. But taken with the right uh, partners, um, it, it can turn into magic, right? It can turn into a success. It can turn into a long-term venture uh, because the energy needs to stay in that group. And whether you get that energy from, let's say, advisors or your... Um, you said you don't call them students. I think in another conversation, you call them participants, right? They they are part of, of this experience, contributing to it as much as they are taking. That's exactly right. Yeah, we really believe that ultimately we're building um, an online platform that brings together a community that will keep giving back. And that's how mm-hmm. this will grow. Mm-hmm. The, and, and the participants that we don't call them students also, because sometimes they're mid-level engineers or engineers with eight years of experience. It it almost seems demeaning to call them students. So yeah, we call them participants and they all make a commitment to giving back to their ecosystems, to coming back and supporting future cohorts and Monara. Um, And we involve also a mentor network from companies uh, mm-hmm. around the world, you know, Google, Meta, and Amazon, I think, are our biggest um, providers of mentors, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, it really does take a village. It takes a big <laughs> ecosystem. Um, and I know for me, uh, first the advisors, but then also since then our investors and our hiring partners Every time I get on a call where someone reminds me how inspiring it is, what we do, it gives me the energy to go and do it again, right? And you yeah. need that over and over and over again. Yeah, because you you literally have the the world against, in a way, both from a, from a, a let's say, perception of how am I going to onboard, how am I going to tap into talent that doesn't even necessarily have easy access to visas and experience. So the virtual world and the asynchronous world has changed a lot, but there's still so much to deal with there. Um, Ileana, I think where I want to offer a lot of clarity for anybody listening, your 60 seconds of what's the journey of a participant? As soon as they they find about Manara, what are they supposed to do in order to be a participant full on, right? Like what's a 360 experience looking like? Yeah. So the first thing they have to do is apply and the application actually involves a behavioral interview. It's done asynchronously through an online platform and a technical uh, coding test. Uh So similar to the same coding screen you might expect, you know, for somebody applying to a job at at Wayfair or anywhere else, right? 
from there, if they pass and we pull them into a cohort, by the way, 50% of every cohort is women. So we have a really deep commitment to women. From there, they come into a six-month training, which is all online, all remote, part-time. So they're still working in their full-time jobs or in school while they're in the training. And they're not paying for anything at this point. They're uh, committing to giving back later if they're successful um, uh, to make sure that they're in this mentality of giving back to the region. Uh, but they're just coming and taking all the training for free. And then from there, if they are doing well, they start getting connected to mentors in our network along the way. So it's a reward. The first mentor is an alum and you get to meet them three months into the journey and you get to do mock interviews and career mentorship and behavioral mentorship, things like that. And then the more successful that you are, the more mentors you get. And eventually you get to mentors from companies like uh, Amazon and Google. We should definitely get people from Wafer involved, by Mm -hmm. the way. Um, And that's not only helping them build their skills, it's really the moment when they start to believe that it's possible. Because until then, they think that these companies are like only for geniuses completely out of their league. (laughs) Um, And then it's also a chance for them to start expanding their understanding of what's out there, because frankly, they've only heard of Google, Meta, and Amazon at that point. And so we also are trying to include mentors from a wider set of companies so that they can start thinking about other opportunities that might be a better fit or just a different option for them. Um, And then once they pass all of our very rigorous process and they graduate, we actually have a bar raiser concept in Monada similar to Amazon's bar raiser interviews to make sure that we have a very high quality of talent graduating from our training. Then Uh we start connecting them to opportunities in our hiring partner network or doing anything it takes to help them reach their dream job. Um, And when we launched, we originally thought that the business model would be that we would uh, monetize entirely on the talent side. Only if they reach their dream job, they would pay us back a percentage of their salary Yeah, uh, because we wanted to make sure we are helping them with their dream, whatever it is. So if, if, if people who want to pay for the talent are small startups that have no brand name, but the talent wants to go, you know, to, to Wayfair and we don't have a partnership with Wayfair or whatever it is, right. We want to make sure that that's still our primary motivation to help them reach their goals. But over time, what we've seen is that actually Uh, companies are very eager to partner with us. They really need this pool of talent, especially women computer scientists. And we've seen that the amount that we thought we would be able to charge on the talent side is just too high. And we are primarily Mm -hmm. motivated in doing this for social impact. It turns out a lot of them need to be sending money back home to their communities that they're often supporting their entire families back home. And so we've ended up actually in a model where Um, we're aiming for 75% to come from companies and only 25% to come from talent. We still think that for them as a part of their journey, making a payment is actually a very powerful emotional thing. It Uh makes them not feel like they're just getting a handout. Um, And so that's, uh, and it makes them have a really strong voice. It makes them demand what they want from us and from our service, as opposed to just being grateful for whatever handout they receive, right? So we still really very much believe in that. It also makes them have skin in the game, but we also very much do ask partners to pay for the value they're getting because we Mm -hmm. are hearing that it's very valuable that the talent pool a lot of our partners, 50% of them are passing the interviews and we're hearing from partners like Google and Meta that we're literally the best provider of diverse computer scientists that they've ever found. Um, And so, yeah, that's where it seems to be like the right way to to ultimately 
make this a self-sustaining effort. Yeah. If I am a, a, an organization who is looking to partner with Vanara, what is my journey? What should I expect as a uh, yeah as a as a, as a key area of engagement, uh, as a result, as a promise? Yeah, well, first of all, our partners are critical to our mission. And so we really want to make sure that they have a fantastic experience along the way. Um, And so the goal really is to meet your needs, to figure out how they can be met by our community or by our alumni and by our team. And so we start off, of course, with a kickoff call. We learn everything about what you're looking for, and then we do a first round of referrals, and that's when we really pay a lot of attention to calibrate. What we're seeing is companies look for very different things, and we believe mm-hmm. there's a great match out there for every alum in the Monada network, but we don't want to waste any company's time in that process, right? So we learn what you're looking for, and then we provide very custom white glove matches to people in our network. Um, and some companies are like, just send us all the engineers you have, and we want to process them ourselves. Others are like, no, we want to be very careful uh, around our diversity goals or around, you know, finding people who have this specific soft skill or this mm-hmm. specific technical skill. Um, and some people, uh, so, so so basically we provide those very custom matches and we just ask that our partners stay closely in touch and invested so that we get the feedback we need so that we can provide a good experience. Um, and our partners contribute financially. Uh, it, there's various ways that we can set that up. Again, we're seeing that companies have different ways of thinking about that, different budgets. Um, and so we talk to each company individually to find something that can work for them. Yeah. Um, and then the last piece is, Um, Well, actually not the last piece. Second to last piece is often partners like to engage their employees and our mentor network, Mm -hmm. not only because it gives them more touch points with the talent and a chance to build their brand. Um, Of course, we also invite them to events to speak in front of the talent and all of that but also because it gives their employees a chance to feel this engagement and social impact. And a lot of employees in the global tech sector are really hungry for that at this point. Um, You say partners, and I want to be very specific. What does that mean? Is it TA teams, TA managers, hiring managers, CTOs? Who are you talking to? Who are your teams talking to? All of the above. It depends on the company <laughs> and the company size, right? But yeah. in a smaller startup, like some of our best partners are really incredible startups with 50 person teams, and mm-hmm. there might be the CTO that's most involved. Mm-hmm. Um, at uh, larger companies, often it's the engineering team that brings us in initially, but then the TA team that we work with uh, on the day to day. Sometimes it's the TA team that finds us uh, yeah. and brings us in. Often it's our mentor network. So people have been interviewing our engineers years and mentoring them, giving them career advice. And then they go, how can we get these engineers into our company? And so they go knocking on doors internally to figure out what part of the company is the best one to set up that partnership with. Got it. Makes sense. Um, So everybody, again, listening, it doesn't matter. Just engage with Manara. I am um, fascinated by the effect of this type of initiatives, not just for the person itself, who is benefiting or going through such programs of upscaling or reskilling or anything that could basically get them closer to their goal, to their dream, as you were saying. But I am really interested and um, following very closely a bit the impact on generational wealth and generational 
mindset maybe as well oh totally. uh, <laughs> what what's a, what's like your your staple story is there anything that you you have you like okay we did this we've freaking did this and it will stay with us and it will have a, such a long lasting impact is there anything already because i i mean yeah oh yeah <laughs> no absolutely i mean we first of all we've placed some people in remote jobs from countries like palestine and other countries in the middle east where they're mm-hmm. earning a hundred thousand dollars a year and just able to save that and pump it into their local economies even if they're not earning that much on average salaries have increased three x and those who are staying and working remotely are telling us that they're buying laptops for their cousins so their cousins right. can go to university, right? Um, and then we've had high schoolers reach out to us and say that now they have a dream, that they've seen mm-hmm. these successes, they've seen women like Samah who ended up at Google and they're like, I want to be that next Samah or I want to be the next Dalia. So now they can relate to it, they can see those role models and they have something to dream of. We hear people studying computer science at higher rates because now they're aware of the opportunities. Um, and we hear from people in our community who've relocated. A lot of them are saying they want to ultimately come back to the region uh, and become the next generation of startup founders. So they want to be yes. out there learning, exploring, but then they're going to be coming back and building their tech ecosystems back home. So yeah, like we've already, we actually just reached a major milestone this week. We've reached our first 100 placements. And I look at that number, I know we're already headed to the next 1,000, but already that first 100, their lives have changed, their families' lives have changed, they're sharing that with their whole uh you know, networks back home. And it makes me really proud that we were able to do that. Note to self, I will probably put a uh, applause or a, a firework effect, sound effect to, for your milestone. Congratulations. This is big. This is really big. Yeah. And it's the equivalent of $6 million in salaries, right? Which, <laughs> it which for, has a dollar value, of course. Yeah. Which for these countries is not a small deal. No. Uh, No. And then we have people also who in some cases wanted to relocate because they wanted to escape a war zone. I remember this one participant, he joined us in our second cohort, which was when we were still just doing this part-time and weekends trying to design it, et cetera. And it took us so long to figure out how to help him prepare for interviews. He would just get so Mm -hmm. nervous. Then there was a war that he went through. Then his family someone had cancer, you know, there were just so many challenges along the way. And eventually he made it and he's at Amazon now in Dublin. And his goal was to move there with his wife and daughter because he didn't want his daughter to have to go through any more wars. And now I see their pictures online. I see their (laughs) lives and I just am so happy that we were able to help them make that dream happen. Dublin is one of the best first kind of experiences. I, I've moved there as well. First time when I'm, I I exited Romania. Um, but uh, indeed, having the choice right around how do I want to build my future, my kids' future is a very big deal. And we always discuss this in, in talent acquisition. And I think now with remote work, there's a lot of conversation around, oh, should we still relocate? Should we still um, kind of uh, offer this type of uh, experiences? Uh, people can work remote. And I mean, yes, that is true for those who want to work remote, for those who want to stay where they are. But a lot of areas, whether it's climate problems, whether it's war, whether it's um, um, a, a lot of, let's say, political unrest, like we see now in Iran, it is critical that we 
we kind of build an ecosystem of solution or options. And I, I really appreciate you you really t- tackling that, not just from now, but for, for quite a while now. And you've reached this very important milestone. Um, I, I'm very curious, what are some of the next steps for you? Maybe if you have anything to share, what are some of your, I don't know, ambitions, dreams, goals, yeah. whatever you want to call them. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, what's interesting is that one of our goals is to create more remote work opportunities as Mm -hmm. well, because we see people have different dreams and we believe that people around the world should be able to pursue their dreams. They shouldn't be limited. And in particular, we're seeing quite a few women in the region who prefer to stay home, prefer to stay with families, or sometimes their families won't let them relocate. So they might be 25, 28, even 30, and it might be their family that makes the decision, their parents or their husbands and not them. And so for that reason, it's funny, during COVID, we really thought that the switch to remote work would be a lot faster than it's been. Mm -hmm. Um, But it hasn't been, and it's really not Mm -hmm. that hard to hire remotely from this region. There's all kinds of platforms, you know, deal.com, remote.com, et cetera, that can facilitate remote hiring. Uh, but sometimes companies just aren't quite there yet. And Europe yeah. is perfect for this region from that standpoint because it, there's no uh, time zone you know, difference. Uh, so that's one of our goals is to be creating more remote opportunities. Obviously, with the current hiring environment, uh, our community has been very impacted by the fact that Google and Meta have hiring freezes. Correct. They used to hire... 50% of our alumni within mm-hmm. months of them graduating from training. Now we have to very quickly figure out where are other companies still hiring so that we can make sure we fulfill our promise to those alumni. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a great chance for companies, though, because in the past, it was funny, we'd have these amazing partners. I'm not going to name them, but they're <laughs> brands that people would die to work for. Mm-hmm. And uh, our talent, our alumni, our participants would be like, no, I only want to go to Google, Meta, or Amazon because yes. they had never even really heard of the other one. So now it's also an opportunity for us to actually better serve some of those right, partners. To the employer side as yeah. well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's great. But ultimately, our vision is to get rid of the concept of undiscovered talent. So yes. our focus is very much this region, and we're going to stay dedicated to it forever. But we believe that what we're learning here can help uh, a much wider audience eventually, and that the way to do it is going to be through tech. And so that's one of the reasons why we decided when we incorporated initially that we were not going to just be a nonprofit because placing a hundred people in a year is fantastic, but our dream is much, much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we are, we do have an engineering team. We are building a tech platform. We're about to launch our first MVP before the end of the year of an ed tech solution that basically achieves the same things that we do today with a very operationally heavy human involved component. Ultimately, we're, we're curious and, and optimistic that we can do this at a much larger scale by building it out in a tech platform. I love that. And, uh, it's needed, first of all. Um, and second, I think you have the right perspective and the history, but also the, the people there. Um, it's While it takes a village, it does take a lot of individual effort, I feel, from founders, usually. Um, and uh, for those who are maybe interested to launch a similar initiative or something in this space, Business for Good, uh, DEI, uh, Inclusivity, there's a lot of 
thankless work for a while <laughs> till it picks up at least. And then there's, a, as you, you were saying, continuously trying to kind of keep yourself um, energi- energized and fueled uh, for the long road ahead, especially when you have such ambitious plans. When what is Ileana doing outside Manara, right? Like, what are you doing to fuel yourself? What are your go-to recharging type of mechanisms? So I will definitely answer what I'm doing outside Manara, but I also want to say you have to recharge inside Manara or inside whatever it is you're doing regularly as well, right? Like mm-hmm. celebrate, listen to people who are telling you what an amazing thing you're doing. We just hired a new person to our team this week or last week, and he went to a meeting with all of our current job hunters and he came out and was like, oh my God, they're so amazing. <laughs> you know, And so you need that, I think that regular dose of reconnecting with the people that you're serving or the things that remind you that you're doing an amazing job. So that's, that's at work. But outside of work, my things are uh, hiking, being out in nature, mm-hmm. uh, baking. Uh, somehow when I bake, it's just super meditative for me. Um, spending time with family and telling them not to talk about work. It's really (laughs) hard, but I'm in the tech sector and so many people around me are in tech. And when they start talking about their jobs, it reminds me of my job. So I'm always challenging them to remember that there's a lot more to our lives than our work um, and trying to have conversations about those kinds of things. And then travel, uh, getting away from everything, whether it's a trip to Istanbul or whatever, just um, going someplace where your mind is completely taken off of it and remembering that your life is much more than just the thing that you're working on. Because we identify with it so much, right? That's it's the like thing, right? It blends. Projects. Yeah, exactly. So reminding ourselves that it is still work, uh, yeah. even though it is a passion project, it is still work and we have to have those other things in our lives too. Balance and limits are probably help, helping you stay more focused, right? When it when it comes to solving the problems at work. It, so yeah, I actually, I have an app that I'm just going to make a plug for right now for <laughs> anyone else who's working on something hard. It's called My Affirmations. And <gasps> it's just like a system to have reminders pop up on your phone on a regular basis. You can set the timing of it. I have mindset. So it reminds me of something at 9am and 9pm every night. And I've actually written my own. I didn't like the ones that the app came uh-huh. with. But it's reminders like, oh, if you're running out of energy, just unplug for a few hours and rest and your energy will come back. Or, you know, uh, if uh, it's a long road, you know, pace yourself. Uh, The long road ahead is worth it. You know, things like that, that I wrote for myself when I'm feeling wise, because there's moments where you're not so wise. (laughs) You need your wise self to speak to you then. And I love this one with pace yourself. It's probably coming from your hiking uh, experience. You know that you need to dose your energy <laughs> quite well. Uh, but I love that. Yeah. If you're listening, I, I now I need a sponsor. So you already got the ad on, on, on We Include. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is amazing, Ileana. I think we could talk for hours. Um, I've learned so much more than I knew before. I am genuinely proud, although we're not working together or I have not necessarily contributed, but we've been in touch. And I, I feel like people like you bring pride uh, to me and to the people in the industry when it comes to creating diverse teams. We 
a lot of us have this purpose in our day-to-day. A lot of us can do this. So uh, tapping into initiatives, projects, businesses, founders like you is is absolutely uh, mind-blowing in terms of the acceleration of even the level of conversation and then the actual impact. So I, I now here is the moment where I thank you for your work um, uh, as well to your team. Um, and I'm very keen to hear more about what the next 100 milestone will look like. Um, It is a tough climate at the moment, and I'm sure you will be able to continue the work, but probably some some pivoting and some rethinking of some items are there. So um, uh, in terms of advisors that you're having or uh, connectedness to the market, I hope the episode that we're going to launch for Manara um, is going to, yeah, kind of expand this ecosystem you're in, in, but also uh, help you build even bigger. Thank you. Thank you so much, Juana. I really appreciate having had a chance to be here and so inspired by this podcast that you're running. Thank you very, very much, Ileana. And uh, I'm sure I will see you soon again here. Thank you so much for staying with us for the entire episode. You are the best. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe to the We Include podcast on Spotify or the podcast provider of your choice. And don't forget to share in your networks. It's highly appreciated. You can find me on LinkedIn for suggestions of initiatives and topics you'd like to see covered in future episodes. They are coming out weekly. Till next time, take care.